This podcast about spoilers contains spoilers. Hello and welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trailer editing brought to you by trailer editors. This is episode number two. I'm Rick Thomas. I've been a trailer editor for about 12 years now. And I'm Derek Liu, and I've been a trailer editor for, I guess, 15 years now, I could say. So soon we're going to start our regular format and go into trailer reviews and one kind of deep dive topic. But there was one topic that loomed above us when we were talking about doing this podcast. And it's the one question that we probably get asked most as trader editors. And that's, why do you spoil the whole movie? <laughs> so Derek, why do you spoil the whole movie? Well, let me tell you. I mean, I can think of it in terms of... I blame you. You blame me. Um, well, let me tell you what I usually tell people when they pose that question to me and the thing that I've heard through the industry is that usually it's because of focus group testing. If you don't know, lots of trailers, especially the big budget ones, before they finish, they get shown to focus groups where they ask everyone, do you like this shot? Do you like this shot? And then they aggregate all that information. So you end up with this big packet of information. Yeah, it's not just focus groups as well. Sometimes they take people aside in shopping malls and, and show them like one trailer or two trailers, or they'll send very heavily security tracked quick times to people at home and they'll have to watch them and comment. Uh, right. Sometimes they'll have to compare two trailers. Sometimes they'll just see a trailer in isolation. And then the guys who are doing the research will kind of aggregate those. Yeah, and then the result of all this is that typically the trailers that test the best are the ones that spoil more of the movie, whereas the ones that are kind of vague, they're just not as appealing to people. So it's everyone else's fault? <laughs> yeah. People like, a, people like a lot of story, but especially in that kind of testing model, it seems that more is more. And uh, if you're an executive at a studio, then you better listen to the testing because they're the people who actually are going to go and see your film and pay money to get their bums on the seats. Yeah, and I saw an article recently from the CEO of Trailer Park, and the word data-driven came up a lot. And it makes sense if you're working with such big budgets to think about data, because just going by gut instinct, it's just it's not something that you can just say, oh, obviously my gut says this route will make the trailer better. But if you have actual data, then they want to reduce uncertainty, I would say. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that there's no room there for creativity, you know, like the testing will come far enough down the process that people will have had a lot of time to kind of explore exciting ideas. But at some point, you've got to have results to back up. It's kind of like I always ask people for their opinions on things because you can't assume as an editor or as a producer that your opinion is the best opinion in the room. You may have something that you feel really works, but sooner or later, you're going to have to show it to people and see whether other people kind of buy into it or understand what you were intending and testing is ultimately the extension of that yeah and then the other thing that i usually say is that the people working on the trailers know that they're spoiling it when they spoil it because they've seen the film and i don't think they want to do it anymore because i mean we watch movies too well yeah that's the big point here is that we're not ultimately trying to do that we're not trying to spoil things we're not setting out to do that Ultimately, and I think I said it on the last podcast, what we try and do is reflect the film and be respectful of the film. Uh, and actually, if you look at the structure of a lot of traders, you kind of tend to sit in 
generally act one of the film because that is where you know a lot of the kind of setup happens and and you don't want to go near act three because there are surprises and spoilers and and things that you want to save for the viewing public uh there was actually a funny uh onion article on that thing and it uh it said man hates it when trailer gives away entire premise of movie which is pretty much the standard spoiler complaint but he said i've seen the eiffel pretty trailer and the minute that i see a shot of new york i know that it's going to be set in new york and i don't want to see anything anymore like that's it i'm like they're telling me everything here right um no i think that trailer editors know when they're spoiling something and when they're not but the thing is is that we're also we're trying to hit that goldilocks zone it's just just enough about the story and just enough that's exciting but everyone's idea of what a spoiler will be is going to be different. So I'd say it's like a sliding scale for everyone. So it's really tough to kind of walk that line. Yeah, ultimately, we want to tease, we want to ask questions of people and, and, and say, you know, what's going to happen here? And what do you think? But you, you're right. Um, spoilers are kind of relative. It can be a huge plot point. Uh, something we get a lot in comedies is, oh, this is every joke that's in the, right. in the film. Though sometimes it's also jokes that aren't in the film anymore. Well, that's true because at comedies we tend to cut with dailies. So, right. you know, and especially on like improv heavy comedies for every joke, there's five options. You know, they've done it with Anchorman where they've released an entire alternative cut of the film because they have so oh, many have they? jokes. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I, I don't know if it was like a DVD extra or they actually released it theatrically, but it was basically like for every joke, it was the, <laughs> the joke that didn't make the cut. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, and you know, sometimes if we have the option of looking at the dailies and looking at the takes and sometimes the joke that works in the short form isn't necessarily the joke that works best in the actual film. So that's where you end up with with that. Yeah, that's true. How do you react when you see spoilers in trailers? Is there a certain type of spoiler or something that trailers do that makes you react in a certain way? I think like any film fan, I probably I probably respond in a similar way when I feel like I'm being shown too much and that's it. And I don't know necessarily things that might be classed as a spoiler aren't actually a spoiler, but I think generally that term has, has been confused with I'm seeing too much here and I don't need to see that much. But um, a recent case came up on uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Where the director J.A. Bayona and the writer Colin Trevorrow Colin Trevorrow had a similar complaint about Jurassic World where he said, oh, you know, the minute you see Chris Pratt riding on his motorbike with the Raptors Mm. alongside him, you know, in a way that should have stayed for the film. We didn't need to show it. But then again, you go back to testing and it's a big shot and it's exciting and it goes out and it's the big thing you see before the titles. Uh, But on Fallen Kingdom, uh, this is ironically in a podcast about spoilers, this might be spoilers for the film, but um, it's in the trailer. So what can I do? (laughs) Yeah. There are shots of dinosaurs in the real world at the end of the final trailer and a lot Mm -hmm. of the TV shots. There's um, surfers and there's a big kind of dinosaur in the sea. Uh, There's the T-Rex roaring at a lion in a zoo. Um, And you watch the film and they're the last shots of the film. And that goes over Jeff Goldblum's speech of, you know, this is actually now a Jurassic world. Welcome to Jurassic world. What's interesting is actually with Fallen Kingdom, I end up proving the whole point about what an audience wants to know about a film versus worrying about spoilers. Because as far as I heard, the trailer is mostly the first third, like the really first third and nothing else. Because I heard that basically the first third's on the island and the rest of it is not on the island. And then my friends are telling me that it's actually just them going buck wild with 
the world of Jurassic World, and that actually made me more interested. So the trailer, by showing less, it made me less interested because I didn't understand what the premise of the film was. I'm like, I, they're going to save the dinosaurs? How are they going to do that? Why are they going to do that? And then it just felt like a small part of the movie, I guess. Or maybe, since it was so much of a trailer, it made me think, if that's the whole movie, then what is the movie? Yeah, I think that was just the teaser trailer, but... That's actually a very specific example. So there you've got a film which the studio has expectations of it making a certain amount of money. And yet you're right, there are a lot of aspects of that film which you want to keep hidden for the film. It's also a film that, yeah, the first third is on the island, the second pretty much from that point onwards. It's a movie where the dinosaurs are running around a house. Something that Colin Trevorrow said on that, um, he actually said, there's a very small percentage of people who watch all the trailers. The rest of the world might only see one. And I think that's true. While we are in a world of people breaking down every shot, which means that you have to be more careful with spoilers as an editor, relatively, that is a small percentage of people who are analysing things to that extent. You know, the average person might only see one TV spot and they see a T-Rex facing off against a lion and they think, great, I'm in. Right. I think if I'd seen that shot, I might have been more interested because if I'd known that they were just going to take the world and just be like, let's do a monster movie, then I'd be like, oh, okay. I'd be interested to see what that's going to be. I think people really responded to Jurassic World because you were seeing something new. It was, you know, the park is open and now ultimately the park in trouble and dinosaurs running amok on the island is something we've seen in four other films at this stage. So. Along those lines, and this is something you encounter a lot when it comes to discussions about spoilers, and it's how much the filmmakers are involved in the process. Mm-hmm. The answer to that is usually that they're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the degree varies in between how much power that directors have. They will always have an opportunity to approve something and, and flag up any problems, but ultimately the decision to make something and put something out rests with the people who are funding the film and responsible for marketing it and responsible for making their money back. Right. Um, Alan Taylor on uh, Terminator Genesis. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) I think was pretty upset in terms of people online talking about spoilers and a big reveal that happens with that. We're just spoiling films left, right and center here in this discussion about spoilers. You know, it's a discussion about spoilers and we're going to be talking about the trailers that spoilers. You gotta get him off me! I'll be back. What? I never saw Genesis, but it sounded really, really not good. Well, there's a point and with that film, again, it's Terminator, what, five? So, you know, what's the unique hook that's going to get people in here? And I think people, right. maybe the trader guys or the marketing people were struggling to find what that is. And then actually the idea of John Connor as a bad guy was too good to refuse in terms of finding something new. Ultimately, I, that's a pretty big spoiler in the film. But they had- I think it's also the, the context that you presented in, because... A lot of trailers, they present the premise and they lead you to think one thing. And if within the context of the trailer, they present something and then either subvert it or answer it, I think that's what really pisses people off. So if John Connor's framed as the hero for the first half and then suddenly in the last he's not, it's like, well, what the heck? I wrote an essay about trailers and the conclusion that I came to is that It's not necessarily the spoiler that's the problem. The problem is when you pose a question in the trailer and then you answer it. Like you pose a big question that you think, okay, this is the film. Like the classic example is Castaway. Wilson! You know, Tom Hanks is on an island. Everyone wants to know, is he gonna get off the island? And the trailer tells you he gets off the island. It's like, well, that question is just not gonna be in my head anymore if I'm watching the film. 
Yeah, I guess ultimately that's it. We're, you know, as trailer editors, we are trying to ask those questions. And if we answer those and it's too linear, then maybe maybe we failed. I mean, you also run into that when you have a film that's a true story, because ultimately you can ask those mm. questions, but all people need to do is go on Wikipedia and they can answer Right. Them. Like, did this person die? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll be watching something and it's based on a true story and halfway right. through watching it, I'll, I'll Wikipedia it because I want to know, like, is this really what happened or you yeah. know, something like that? Was so, there cancer cured? <laughs> um, so there, in a way, you have to sell the journey because ultimately it's been spoiled. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a definitely a different context to be working in. But then you'll probably still have people who aren't going to think that far through. They see something spoiled, and even though it's based on a true story, they're like, oh, well, I wasn't going to look it up, you know? Yeah, well, this is a world of people who don't want things to be spoiled. You know, there are people who intentionally now, especially with something as big as Star Wars, people who will just avoid the trailers for that reason, because they don't want anything spoiled. And and, and that's fine. There's a place for those people. And, and like we were saying earlier, there's a place for people who want to see everything and break it down to the second and right can't help themselves i have like a toe dipped in the not watching trailers camp because there's certain films that i'm i avoid trailers for so right now my rules are the numbered episode star wars so i think i'll watch the first teaser and then avoid everything after that because i don't have enough willpower to avoid it all and i have this rule also with naughty dog video games so like the last of us part two i watched the first teaser and then everything after that uh, I turn it off when I sense it's coming or I, I mute. I try to avoid the being in a theater with my eyes closed and my fingers in my ears because it seems kind of ridiculous. But I think what happened with The Force Awakens, I was at work. This was when I was working at an agency. So, of course, when a big trailer comes out and you're working at a trailer agency, everyone's going to be watching it. And I just heard the trailer being played and I was thinking, oh, that must be it. I'm like, fine, I'll just, I'll just listen to it. Um, so I think I've... I don't put my fingers in my ears when I'm in the movie theater, but for everything else, uh, I'll like mute hashtags on Twitter and keywords and that sort of thing. And I have this Chrome extension called Unspoiler that kind of red flags all mentions of certain things. Oh, and also Guillermo del Toro films, because I just know that I'm going to see them. I think that's it. I mean, you're basically with the, with everything that you've just mentioned, like you're in anyway, you mm -hmm. don't necessarily. And while you might want to kind of get a, a sense of what the world is. So watch a teaser trailer past that point, like as the marketing is revealing more and more, you don't really need that more information. Right. Whereas like the Star Wars side stories like Solo and Rogue One, I didn't care that much. So I just watched them all. Um, while we're talking about video games, mm -hmm. does this apply to video games yeah that's it does but i don't think i usually see the same sort of visceral reaction to spoilers in video games as in movies if people are reacting is it like spoiling of a gameplay thing that that might I be think, new or i don't remember seeing any off the top of my head but i'm like i'm working on some games right now that i know sort of secrets are part of the experience like discovering uh, how something works in the game, discovering a new area or a different enemy. Because there is um, a documentary by Noclip, which is a documentary series about video games on YouTube. And they had one entire segment about secrets in video games and how they kind of don't exist anymore because of the internet. You know, back in the day, you couldn't look up a clue for how to solve an adventure puzzle, whereas now everything's just available. But there are some games like Spelunky and Frog Fractions and The Witness that had secrets in them that somehow they managed to not spoil. 
but it's something I think about in terms of game mechanics every now and then with games, because it's a very particular type of game that a mechanic or a weapon or some other feature could be considered a spoiler. And then all the story stuff is same sort of rules as with movie trailers, I'd say. Um, actually, one example, I recently did trailers for the game Dead Cells. It's like a very difficult game that it only has four bosses. And by the time someone reaches one of those bosses, they've probably put in hours and hours and hours of play because it's very difficult. And the most recent trailer, I put all of the bosses in the trailer because even though the game is very pretty and there's a lot of different environments, it still kind of looks kind of samey, especially because it's been in early access for a while. And basically when a game's in early access and they release trailers for new updates, they're literally saying, this is a new thing we just put in the game, and it could be towards the end of the game. So because of that, I just felt less pressure to avoid spoilers. So I'm like, you know, I'll just, I'll just put in all the cool looking stuff. Well, I mean, that's something that's, that's interesting to tell about. I was, um, I was reading about the trailer for uh, Get Out, and I was, mm. I was kind of re-watching that. And obviously that's a film with a lot of kind of twists and turns. And again, structurally, the trailer kind of, in terms of its story setup, sticks to kind of pretty much the first third. Uh, but from that point, like, actually, if you go back in retrospect, having seen the film and you look back at the end of the trailer, mm. it does actually show a lot of elements of those spoilers. But because you're seeing them out of context, they're just maybe a kind of bit like you were saying there, like kind of tantalizing things that you don't necessarily have context for. And you don't go, oh, OK, so this must happen. You just mm-hmm. go, oh, wow, it's going to go to like this level that I didn't know. I right. didn't know it would. So, again, it's a fine kind of balance. But I think it goes back to your earlier point of, if you're not answering those questions that you're setting up, then you're in pretty good territory. Yeah. And then there's some questions that you know the answer to going in. So say like a Black Panther trailer, there's some shots towards the end of the film of Black Panther fighting Killmonger. And of course he's going to fight the villain. So that's not really a big spoiler, even though it's, it's at the end of the film. Actually, I want to know, do you have examples of films that you've seen that after you watch them, and then you rewatch the trailer, you thought to yourself like, oh, wow, they did a, like a really good job of totally avoiding spoilers, but not looking like they were leaving anything out. Um, yeah, well, actually, there's a really recent example of that, and that's the film Hereditary. You know, that's the exact same example I had. Yeah, um, again, like... I really don't want to spoil that if people haven't yeah, yeah, seen yeah, this I now. Won't. And it's like, I think it's not even out on um, home entertainment yet. Yeah. Um, but there's a pretty big twist that happens probably about a third of the way into that film. And rightfully, the marketing completely avoided it. And yeah. there's not much I can say without revealing it. Yeah. Um, but equally, you know, that's a film where kind of tone is very important. It's very creepy. You don't need a huge amount of story set up. You just need to know that it's disturbing and visually interesting. And the campaign actually focused a lot on critical acclaim. Mm, that's uh, true. There are a lot of quotes in that trailer. You know, looking at the framing of it, it comes from a studio who's known for those bold, you know, some people see an A24 trailer and they just go, yep, I'm in. Great. Mm. You know, I don't need to see more here. So I think that they were definitely right to focus on the side of less is more and let's just get people in and then let's let the word of mouth go. That took me completely by surprise. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the most recent film that I've seen where I was just, I'd seen the trailer, but I didn't feel like I had spoiled anything at all. I think that and actually Get Out, both of those trailers, even though Get Out spoils a ton of the film, what I took from them was just the feeling and somehow just like maybe the imagery didn't have enough context for my brain to make connections so it didn't retain them as much because it's just kind of abstract 
shots happening really quickly one after another, and I don't know why those things are happening. Maybe that's why I didn't internalize them as much, because when I saw Get Out, I was just in it for the whole thing, and nothing in there was something that I'm like, oh, this is from the trailer, or like, this is from the trailer, or I'm waiting for a shot, I'm like, oh, when's this shot going to happen? When's this shot going to happen? So, But they're very, I think they're very specific, and it's a genre that is traditionally very kind of spoiler-heavy. Mm. Um, and I think that in terms of what we're classing as spoilers, I think we talked earlier about, you know, is it a shot? Is it uh, a certain character appearing? Is it a massive plot point? You know, in terms of spoilers, the cliche film that everyone talks about in terms of film spoilers is probably The Sixth Sense. Oh, sure. um, but if you're doing the trailer for The Sixth Sense, you don't need to go anywhere near, like, the spoiler. Mm. I see dead people. Like, yeah. totally you can save that for the film and it's creepy enough just in the setup. And I think that applies to Get Out and Hereditary as well. Yeah, it's interesting that they're all horror films. Yeah, maybe people don't need more. From... I think because also horror trades so much on mood and tone, and trailers are really good at just doing that, just taking a bunch of shots and then putting some creepy sound design and just being like, well, that's the movie, without having to say, like, the plot. And the initial setup of any horror film is probably quite clean. Mm. And you know that whatever second act twist that comes is going to be big in the film, but you don't necessarily need more than that initial mm. setup in the trailer. Yeah, it's like if you could just give the premise of a lot of horror films, that could be enough. Whereas if you have something that's like there's a bank robbery, it's like, OK, well, give me a little bit more than that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of bank robbery films or something like that. Uh, I saw another article online talking about the film uh, Southpaw. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if I'm spoiling Southpaw, but at this stage, maybe we should put a big spoiler warning at the start of this podcast. Uh, I think maybe it's Rachel McAdams character dies probably about a third of the way in. But, you know, uh -huh. when you get to the trailer, she's, she dies like a minute in. I think that is a plot point that while surprising because it's one of your main kind of A-list stars, it's probably necessary to get the kind of emotion and story to successfully deliver that trailer. And maybe they tried some trailers without it, or maybe at some point they decided that if we don't have this, then the emotional story doesn't really have any heft. Right. Actually, I totally remember that now because I, I remember Rachel McAdams dying. In the movie or in the trailer? In the trailer, relatively late in the trailer. It's and hard think... to kill people in a trailer. Like, <laughs> you know, we have a shorter amount of time to do everything. There are, right. there are certain things, but you know, if if you have a character who dies maybe sometimes it's better to ultimately just start at the funeral because right yeah i think so the other thing that i think about in terms of spoilers is sometimes it feels like a spoilery trailer without necessarily showing a twist or a turn mm -hmm. and my example for this is unbroken it's a film directed by angelina jolie hello mother father this is your louis talking I am now interned in a Tokyo prisoner of war camp. And that's just one of those trailers where it just keeps on going. Like, you, you just look at your watch, say, how has it been two minutes? It's like, it's, has it been one and a half minutes? And like, oh my God, it's not even over. How much more is coming? Because if people haven't seen that trailer, it has like a cold open where the protagonist is in like a war plane and then it cuts to him as a child and he's like learning to run. So then you see someone learning to run in a film trailer. You're thinking, okay, are they going to become like a champion runner? And then the next moment they are, they're at the Olympics. And then all of a sudden they've won the Olympics. It's like, oh. Okay, I guess it wasn't about that. And now they're going to war. So, okay, they're going to war. So now the question is, are they going to survive the war? Then they get like shot down. It's like, oh, say, are they make it home? And they're like in a in a boat. It's like, oh, are they going to make it away out of the boat? And then they make it out of the boat. And now they're in an internment camp in Japan. 
and then they don't answer that question. But it's just like it just there's so many like the way I describe it is um, if you ever seen Dude Where's My Car and they're at the drive-in, they're trying to get Chinese food, I think, and then there's a woman on the other side going like, and then oh ah uh, some fortune cookies too. And then, uh, gosh, I think that's about it. And then. And then, no matter what they order, she just keeps going like, and then. It's funny actually because I cut a trailer for that film. Uh, oh really? That didn't finish. But oh. and I think maybe I'd seen that domestic trailer at that point because I think maybe that was trailer one. And it's hard to avoid that structure with that film. That is a film that just keeps on going because that's ultimately that's true. that guy's life. He just kind of it was relentless. Like he got out of the frying pan and back into the fire throughout his entire life. So like it was very hard to avoid that thing because ultimately the cumulative effect of everything that had happened to him informed his life. But you do therefore end up with a trailer where you're like, and then then because it, if you'd have stopped at any of those points, right, you wouldn't have been being true to the film. Have you got any other examples of, uh, of egregious uh, or interesting spoiler trailers? Well, uh, my other favorite is the Wes Craven film Red Eye. Have you seen that trailer? I have seen that trailer. So the first teaser for that movie, they try to do a fake out. They make it look like a romantic comedy. And Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams have like a meet cute at an airport. And then it turns out that they have the exact same row in the, the plane. They're sitting next to each other. Then, no, 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 the, the twist, Killian Murphy is actually going to be terrorizing her the entire plane because he has her dad hostage. I'm not sure where you're going with this. J.R. Joe Reisert. Your father? Where did you get that? Grabbed it off your dad's desk next to the graduation picture. So that's like the first teaser, and that's that's fine. That's just the premise. But then the trailer, I think they start with that same structure, and then they get onto the plane, and then they start just showing the different ways that he generally terrorizes her but then about two-thirds through the trailer the plane i guess it's landed she gets off the plane and then like this is within i'd say 10 seconds maybe fewer she's running through the airport then she's in a car on the freeway then you see someone with like a rocket launcher pointed at an apartment building then she's fighting killian murphy in the building like whoa 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 you just totally blew my mind you just wait we were just in a plane. Now we're in an apartment building. What what just happened? And like to this day, when I'm watching that, I just laugh because it's so ridiculous how quickly it moves in that really short period of time. Whereas you know, up until that point, it's I'm just thinking in my head like, is she gonna get off the plane? Okay, you know, is her father gonna live? Like, oh wait, she's gonna get off. She's gonna drive for a while, and there's gonna be a rocket launcher. And she's gonna be fighting him, and I guess that's where the final showdown is. Well, it's interesting because um, that goes back to our kind of get out hereditary um, six sense point. Do you think they should have finished on the plane? I feel like they should have. Um, I feel like if it was made now, that maybe mm. that would be enough. A slower setup of this is who they are, and then they meet, and then actually there's a big turn where he says, "I know you," and then from that point, maybe you leave it there, and then you, in a get out fashion, show various things. Then you go back to Castaway. If you show her off the plane, then does that undercut any kind of tension that there might be on the plane? So there's a lot of big questions there. Yeah. I feel like there's probably something in that movie that it could have been one of those trailers, which is mostly one scene and maybe like it's a very tense scene. And then maybe like that sort of unease could be the selling point. And this is where Um, you, um, in terms of Castaway, I know that Robert Zemeckis actually talked about it in terms of kind of McDonald's and needing the full meal and the full experience to kind of buy into something. Yeah, he Robert Zemeckis basically said that people want to know what they're going to get when they go to the movie. And that's why they go to McDonald's. But, you know, you go to McDonald's, you want a quarter pounder, you know exactly what that's going to taste like, you know, after the first time you've gone. And that's how he kind of defended. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Spoil 
Castaway, and also What Lies Beneath had a lot of spoilers in that trailer. I think that's true just to a point, though. I think you don't have to show everything to have the audience know what they're going to get when they go to the theater. It depends on the film, I suppose. Depends on, and while we're on Robert Zemeckis, the trailer for uh, Welcome to Marwin just came out this week. But I've created a world where I can heal. What is all of this? Welcome to Marwin. It's my art installation. And it's a full trailer, there's a lot in there. And I don't feel like in the spectrum of trailers we're talking about teasers that just give you a very kind of small amount of information and, and leave you wanting more, and then things that are the, the full meal. And I would say the Welcome to Marwin trailers are are a kind of full meal. But for a film like that, maybe that is what you need to get you in and, and you know, towards the end, they're not giving a, a, a huge amount of story information, but there's a lot in there. Um, mm. And then maybe that is what you need for a film like that. Right. Before you were trailer editor, what did you think whenever you saw trailers with spoilers? Did it change at all? Or? I don't know if I can remember. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> a time before I was a trailer editor. <laughs> um, trailer editing, uh, one thing has probably changed the way that I look at trailers. So before sure. before then, like I would love trailers and I would seek them out um, and I probably couldn't get enough of mm-hmm. a film. But again, I'm the guy who reads Wikipedia halfway through the true story film to, to find out. So like, I think I like to be informed. So I don't think I was put off with spoilers before then. And now as a guy watching trailers, I look at a trailer and I wonder how they constructed the trailer and how it bears reference to the to the film. So how about you? Um... I think before as a trailer editor, I definitely was probably in the camp of people thinking like, why? I don't need to see the movie anymore. That's usually the typical response. And, and then there's also the other point is that if the experience of watching the film can be so spoiled by the trailer, then I don't know, does that say more about you than it does about the movie? Or maybe it could be either or. Like that you just judge it and be like, well, there's absolutely nothing. Because the only thing that's important for me is the twists you know it's not about the acting it's not about the cinematography and the editing but twists go back to um to good storytelling mm, that's true ultimately that's what all films and all trailers are it's like telling me a story and if i feel like my experience of this story being told is diminished because i know what happens at the end then maybe that's the point <laughs> yeah i guess it depends like there's only one first time for everything because even if there are films like the sixth sense that are still enjoyable after you know the ending that's one version of watching the film that you'll have the rest of your life after you've seen it once but someone spoiled the sixth sense for me so oh really that is my direct experience someone actually i i don't know when it came out was it like 2000 Someone yeah, said like to me before I went in... Right before you went in? Well, like a couple of days. I still went to see it. Okay, yeah. But they just said, Bruce Willis is a I Obviously, uh, Sixth Sense was ruined for me, but then I saw, uh, I saw the village and I didn't see the twist coming. And mm. I had probably the kind of visceral reaction that people would have had to see in the Sixth Sense there. So I got... So mm. I was more annoyed at the guy who spoiled the Sixth Sense for me. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing for it to be a trailer that you can avoid, but if someone just says it to you, that's just kind of a dick move. Yes. Yes, it was. 18 years later, I'm still sore. (laughs) Um, So what's the future of spoilers for the industry? You know, there is a lot of backlash, but equally, as I kind of pointed out earlier, not everyone does see every trader. So do you think the industry will will respond to this and kind of uh, revert back to kind of teasing more and giving people less? Or do you think that this is just kind of inevitable and will, will carry on as is? I don't really see there being much change in how the industry deals with spoilers because I feel like this has been a conversation going on for so long. Like, so there's an example, it's not really a spoiler, but for um, Infinity War, 
they have one shot at the end, which is only in the trailer. It's like the whole team assembled, and it turns out that's not in the uh, film. It's just for the trailer. And like I'm always keyed in whenever there's any articles written about trailers, and that was a moment that I saw a lot of people online reacting like, "Oh God, that that shot! It wasn't in it wasn't in the movie." Like I mean, that that comes up a lot, but some reason this one. It felt like a lot of people were getting a peek behind the curtain for the first time ever, even though this is a pretty typical sort of thing to happen with movie trailers. Yeah, that got a lot of traction. I, I read several articles where they said, yep, we did it for the trailer because we felt like we needed that one hero shot. You know, you go back to the first Avengers and it's the is it the spinning round kind of team shot? Like at some point you feel like yeah. for those movies, you need that kind of big. But actually there's something else about Infinity War that I could picture being a new trend. I don't, maybe only films with big budgets. But anyway, so there's a part in the Infinity War trailer that I'm actually, I'm not going to spoil this, but it's just... Don't it's spoil spe- Infinity War, I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. It's a special effects shot in the trailer that's been modified from what it actually is like in the film. And just a small modification leaves a little more mystery after seeing the trailer. Whereas if you saw the actual shot, um, with just that like one change, uh, you would have known more coming out of that trailer. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, will there be more things like that in the future, maybe like Marvel films? Will they make a small change to something to obfuscate this one little plot detail that... Because Marvel films, of course, they're always going to have the shot-by-shot analysis. I think that's something we do. I mean, we always kind of pay attention to it. Like, I definitely pay attention to things more on a frame-by-frame basis than I ever would have done now. And also, I think the extension of what we do as editors, which is, you know, I focus on every second of a trailer. I focus on condensing things and getting the information across in the closest way possible. But -hmm. something we've previously been quite restricted on is the shots. Yes, we have dailies, but, you know, there's not a huge amount we can do there to alter them. But actually, you know, having the remit to maybe change things up or put two characters in the same environment where they weren't previously, like actually that gives us a lot of freedom in terms of the trailer doesn't necessarily help the movie because it's just going to create more kind of dissonance. And ultimately, we don't want to go outside the film unless we have to. We want to be respectful to it and reflect it. There's also sometimes the way that dialogue scenes can be cut together. You can create a scene that sort of isn't in the film because you just cross cut dialogue between different scenes in the in the film it could be like oh this character was with this character in the scene it turns out they weren't there's if you like pay attention to the background you're like oh actually they're in a totally different moments like i think as trader i think as trader editors i see something like that like there was a very small cheat in black panther uh where he says i'm gonna burn it all i'm gonna burn it all yeah uh and actually in the film he's talking about a very small thing and you put it in the trailer and he's talking about like everything because like I, in- I look at something like that and i don't go oh you spoiled it for me or oh, that's a shame i go oh that was a good move by the trailer i editor. mean that's, that's such a they turned it into a generic threat instead of a specific threat because like in the film he's, he just says burn it all and then in the trailer he's like i'm gonna burn it all i think the black panther trailers did a good job of avoiding spoilers because they had enough cg set piece stuff to make an exciting trailer without actually showing a lot of the middle and the end. And a lot of that could also just be practical because they have to finish visual effects earlier than they would otherwise because they have to go in the trailer. Pretty much by the time the first third of the film was done, I was thinking, oh, that's pretty much all the stuff in the trailer. That's cool. I'll just enjoy the rest now.
So in conclusion, no, we are not trying to spoil things. We don't try to put things in there, but we are trying to get you to see the film in whichever way we can. Right. And in a way that works for all audiences. And so in doing that, sometimes we might spoil things. But if sometimes we do, we'll I'm very we'll sorry. Step over your, sometimes we'll step over your spoiler boundary. Sure. Which is a moving target from our perspective. It's different from everyone else's spoiler boundaries. Uh, long and short of it is making trailers is hard. <laughs> Turns out the spoiler boundary of the internet is high. <laughs> you said the title. Yeah. It's in New York. <laughs> because I rewatch trailers a lot. Sometimes I like having a spoiler in a trailer because it makes it a more fun trailer to rewatch. So, you know, sometimes I just don't want to watch a two hour film or 90 minute film or two and a half hour film. I just want to just enjoy the film in this very short bite sized way. And sometimes having a spoiler in there can just make it more of a complete package instead of maybe that's the mistake of the trailer editor because it should leave me feeling unfulfilled because I should want to watch the whole thing. But I just watch the trailer again. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Derek, I'm good. You are the only person who watches an entire feature film as a trailer for the trailer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Cutdown. You can listen to past episodes at cutdowncast.com. We are part of the Idle Thumbs podcast network at idlethumbs.net, where you can listen to a lot of other great podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at at Derek underscore Lou, which is at D-E-R-E-K underscore L-I-E-U. You can also find me on Twitter at Rick Thomas, uh, Rick No K. And the podcast is at CutdownCast. Also, we want to give a special thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye.